Let's Talk Native is produced at the Eltian Studios on the Cataraugus territory of the Seneca Nation. We break all the rules for native media by peeling back the layers of assimilation and indoctrination. We may step on a few toes through our examination of culture, art, politics, history, and identity. But the real goal here is to bring our people together by breaking down what separates us. So, welcome to Let's Talk Native with John Kane. Sigo, I'm John Kane, and this is Let's Talk Native. I've got to do a review of uh, Killers of the Flower Moon, the movie, but I can't talk about the movie without talking about the book. So let me first come right out of the gate and, and just say it. You should see this movie. You should see the movie. I'm not saying you must, but you should see the movie. If you have any concern about social justice or, or any sense of re uh, responsibility for history, then you should see this movie. That's, I mean, so I say that without hesitation. However, <laughs> the movie is not the book. And while I've heard other people review about how closely the, the movie tracks the book, I don't agree. I don't think the, the movie tracks with the book um, nearly enough, and I'm going to get into some of that. But let me say, I watched the film in New York City. I was down uh, in, in the city for its opening weekend, uh, I went to the 1015 show at the Regal uh, Theater on 42nd Street. I, the 1015 show was what they called an RPX uh, uh, theater, which meant Regal Premium Experience, which means it was loud. I'm, and I mean really loud. And uh, the screen was huge. I, I entered the theater being the only one in there. Uh, I think maybe... Uh, Three or four other people showed up in the theater. So there I am in this, what almost feels like an exclusive screening uh, in New York City uh, for a city that never sleeps. Apparently uh, catching a 10-15 show, which really didn't start for another half hour, um, and a show, a, a movie that is three and a half hours long. Uh, apparently New York City does sleep. And although I think the, uh, the box office sales have been pretty high on the film, uh, it, it felt strange to be in a theater that was almost empty. And of course, being almost being almost empty, I wasn't distracted by any other um, oohs and ahs from a crowd. Uh, like I said, the the film was um, in this theater environment was very very loud, so I didn't miss much. And and of course, like I said, the screen was very big. Um, I gotta say, the the film clearly uh, was created, written around the stars of the, of the film, Robert De Niro and Leonardo DiCaprio. It, the book did not just center on those guys. And, you know, the book did track the FBI investigation of the murders that took place. Uh, but it, it also talked about the, the, the scale of the, uh, of the murders and the theft and all that other stuff. Something that I thought the, the, the film uh, failed to do. It failed to really communicate to its audience how many people were really killed. And look, when the FBI was investigating it, they were looking at about maybe 25, 30 murders. But the fact of the matter is they, they ignored hundreds more, hundreds more. And 
you, this reign of terror that is what is described in this thing, which which they claim was from about you know 1923 to about 1925 or so, was actually much bigger than that. The, the murders started before the 1920s, and they went into the 1930s. So there was over a decade, maybe a decade and a half of these murders that took place, and and various other crimes. So I mean, and these murders range from everything from just hijacking Osage. Uh, um, people who were driving about town or walking or whatever else to, you know, committing, you know, all sorts of murders. Now, one would expect that although the, the book and the investigation by the FBI centered around the, um, the murders of Molly Burkhart's sisters or family members and that kind of stuff, and what the FBI tried to do was try to narrow the scope of this investigation and focus on what they hoped they could nail down as a small group of people perpetrating th these crimes with a, with a mastermind and the whole bit. You know, that was the goal. And that's actually what the film did. The film actually tracked more along the lines of the narrow scope that the FBI took than the broader scope that David Grant took in the, in the book, in Killers of the Flower Moon. And, and that's... Um, that was disappointing. You know, I, there, there's one thing that I think the, the film did that the, the book didn't do. And in fact, when I interviewed David Grant, I asked him, why didn't you guys mention the Tulsa riots, the Tulsa massacres, I should say. And he said it was an oversight. It was a mistake. And, and since then, I know that David Grant, and, as well as Martin Scorsese and De Niro and DiCaprio have talked about this. And, and, and I was wondering, I was curious if it would make it in the film. And it did. It mentioned it kind of as a, as a news flash, but also you know, a cry at the, uh, you know, when, when one of the, the murders involved blowing up a house, uh, one of the cries was, you know, was that this was, you know, this was like Tulsa or Tulsa all over again or something like that. Um, so I'm glad for the reference, although the reason for bringing up the Tulsa massacre it was to, again, expand and to unsilo what was happening in, uh, in Osage territory as far as these murders based on racism and, you know, uh, white supremacy and all that stuff, but to kind of demonstrate how broad this white supremacy and racism really was. And so it, it mentions it, but it doesn't, it doesn't connect as much as it, as it should have as far as I, I was concerned. Um, like I said, I think it's important that people see the film so they understand what took place as far as the Osage were concerned. I think it's, it is really important. But you have to understand that this is an, a film adaptation of a, uh, of a book that is essentially a, a really good work of investigative journalism. I mean, David Grant spent years researching um, and went well beyond the FBI's investigation. And, and in fact, David Grant went at length to criticize the narrow scope of the, uh, of the FBI investigation. So anybody who says, well, it's a good thing that they, they um, went away from the book a little bit. And I've heard some people allege that the, that the book was about a white hero syndrome. And I didn't get that at all. In fact, I thought David Grant, again, went at length to show the failure of the FBI, the, you know, some of the, uh, you know, the manipulation that came all the way from J. Edgar Hoover down to uh, Tom White, who was the agent investigating. And, and what, they, what they essentially chose to ignore or not bring into this thing. So anybody who believes that, that the FBI came in, solved a murder, and ended the reign of terror is, is just wrong. The murders continued on for, for at least another five or six years. Uh, you know, 
if not longer. And it was hundreds, maybe two, maybe three. It's, it's almost hard to know. If you look at the, the real records of, of the roles of the, of the Osage, you realize that in this, in this period of um, 16 years, there were like six or 700 people who died, which was way over the top of the national average. And, and you have to remember that these were affluent people. Usually affluence means that you don't die uh, at an early age. But the Osage were dying, you know, their, their average life expectancy was, was in the 50s, while white people were, were living to the 70s. You know, so it wasn't, some of the stuff didn't get, get exposed by the film. The other thing that didn't get exposed was the, again, the scale, not just of the murders, but of the thievery and, and how broad-based it was, how it touched every segment of the white society that was embedded with the Osage. Everything from the doctors and the, the lawyers, the law enforcement, the, the private investigators, the, the storekeeps, and of course, all of whom, many of whom would, would play a role as the guardians of the, the Osage because the o Osage were being regarded as incompetent, incapable of managing this wealth that had come, come upon them. But these guardians were thieves as well. And see, and the, and the film didn't really cover that. It didn't really, I mean, it talked about how the guardians were scrutinizing the spending, but it didn't talk about how they were pocketing money. So I, I was disappointed. Look, I fully anticipated that this film would be a great film, although I knew it wasn't going to be accurate. I could tell that just from seeing the trailers. The fact that they were centering it around the Leonardo DiCaprio character. And he played Ernest Burkhardt who was the nephew of um, William Hale, who was in the, in the movie you know, portrayed as the mastermind, essentially, of all the murders. But, but he probably wasn't. I mean, it, he was certainly a deviant psychopath, as was Ernest Burkhardt. But they didn't play Burkhardt as, as, a, as a psychopath. No, they played him as somebody who was conflicted between the love for his wife and his love for money. And the book doesn't really paint that picture. The film does. And in fact, the film actually places Ernest Burkhart in many of the other crimes. Everything from, like I said, hijacking people roadside, uh, grave robbing. And the, and the book doesn't necessarily allege that, you know, or, or assume that. So in order to give, I guess, DiCaprio more screen time and to, and to show, you know, per, the juxtaposition of his deviant behavior versus his affection for his wife, which there's no evidence that that was even true. There was no evidence that, that uh, Ernest Burkhart was madly in love with his wife or that Molly was madly in love with him. Because here's the thing. The Osage couldn't control their own money. It is entirely possible that, that the reason is, as many Osage um, women married, that, who married white men did so so they hoped that their, their white husbands could be granted the guardianship so they could have access to more of their money. In a way, there may have been a certain play being made by the Osage women who you can't assume were ignorant or incompetent. And in fact, I think Lily Gladstone's portrayal of Molly Burkhart demonstrated real flashes of brilliance. But there was also this, this sense that she was gullible and that she was blinded by the love for her husband, which, which may or may not have been true. She'd been married multiple times throughout her life. I mean, she may not have been this, this easily infatuated woman. She may have been a pragmatist with, uh, with her relationships. And, and, and so many of the other women may have been. Now, the, the film also suggests that 
that it was the money, the oil wealth, that had destroyed the culture of the Osage. I mean, the, the film opens in almost, I got to tell you, in almost a Jed Clampett uh, scenario where somebody's hunting for some food and up, come, up through the ground came a bubbling crude. Then they show Native people in very stereotypical imagery dancing under a shower of crude oil spraying up out of the ground. It goes from that to now showing the wealth that the, the Osage accumulated. Like you could see that once they got showered with oil, literally, according to the film, they became these very, very assimilated, wealthy, you know, Osage. And, and, and yet still seem to lack sophistication, according to the film. The book doesn't necessarily say that. And look, and I have to remind people that, you know, out of this did come, you know, uh, some people who use that wealth, uh, um, you know, in a manner to improve their lives and to, and to demonstrate their level of sophistication, education-wise. Uh, Maria Tallchief was, was, is actually regarded as the, the United States or America's first prima ballerina. Her and her sister were very accomplished ballet dancers. Now, that probably wouldn't have happened without, you know, having a dance school and a dance theater and all that stuff right there in Osage territory. But this, this woman, Maria, uh, traveled the world as this prima ballerina. So, so to, to suggest that we were unsophisticated, or that the Osage, rather, were, were so unsophisticated and needed to have these white men be their guardians of their wealth, who were anything but, you know, belies the, 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 the truth. And, and I think Maria Tallchief is an example of somebody who did show a level of not only of, of incredible skill and talent, but sophistication. So, I mean, I, I, those are the things that concern me. Now, I think the film does um, demonstrate that, the, that, there was murder, that there were murders going on uh, and that, there were, um, that these murders were, were happening with the explicit intention of stealing the oil well. But again, the film does very much what the FBI tried to do. Paint the picture all around William Hale and Ernest Burkhart, and and you know their cadre of uh, of you know psychopaths that they you know, their gang, if you want to call it that. But they also try to suggest that that William Hale was responsible for all of the murders, which he again, according to David Grant's book, he suggests that that's, that can't be true. There were murders that that you could not necessarily connect to to uh, certainly to Burkhart and uh, or or William Hale. So I think. The film does the the historical record a little bit of an injustice, and and frankly, I think it does the book a little injustice. And rather than really centering the story around not just Molly Burkhart but her sisters, most of whom were killed, I think they could have done more with that. And and look, Leonardo DiCaprio originally was going to play the role of the FBI agent. I think he should have. You know, I think he could have done much to expand the depth of that character. You know, both as an actor, but as a, as a screenwriter and, and his involvement with the screenwriting. I don't think he had to convince an audience to have somewhat sympathy for the conscience that uh, that Ernest Burkhardt had, and 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 that's what he chose to do. He chose to play the you know this this tormented villain, rather, and you know, and they argued that the reason they did this was because they didn't want to come across as, you know, promoting this white hero trope that, uh, that is often done with, with movies, you know, um, whether they're based on true stories or not. But I, I don't think that Tom White, the FBI agent, was necessarily a hero either. I think 
his failures on so many levels throughout the investigation uh, should have been pointed out. And and the fact that that he may have been you know tormented by what he had to ignore versus what he had to uh, investigate because he was having uh, Jagger Hooper breathe heavily down his neck. So you know I I think the same film could have been based on this book and been portrayed completely different. And I think it should have. I, I think it's it's unfortunate that they didn't give uh, Molly Burkhart, the, the, the uh, Lily Gladstone um, character, more intelligence and more of an opportunity to, to demonstrate her own cynicism towards not just somebody like William Hale, but, but even towards his, her husband. So they, you, know, you have to remember that every piece of dialogue in the film was made up. It's a scriptwriter who came up with that dialogue. There, there's no record of that dialogue. So every dialogue, every conversation, every intimate moment is a fabrication. It's creative license. Now, I got to tell you, I knew that was going to be the case going in, but I thought the movie would be better. I honestly thought, you know, I, I think De Niro played, uh, you know, the, the role that was, you know, um, put out there for De Niro to play, I think was was done well. I just don't think that the that the the way they recast the Ernest Burkhart character in in the screenplay um, was 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 fair. I don't think it was accurate. And I'm not saying DiCaprio didn't play that character well, but that character is probably not a true character. It, it and there's no evidence from the book to suggest that that this was this torn love you know <laughs> love struck individual who was conflicted between the love for his wife and, and wanting to murder her, her family. In fact, spoiler alert, the, the suggestion that Ernest Burkhardt didn't know he was poisoning his own wife is kind of an absurd proposition, given everything else that the, the movie alleges he was involved in, which is more than what the book alleges he was involved in. And, you know, and we can also, you know, be concerned that, that Ernest Burkhardt does become the hero of the story because he turns around and testifies against his uncle, making him essentially the linchpin uh, for the convictions. So as much as Scorsese claims that he didn't want to do that, I think he did do that. And that's the problem that I have with the film. But again, let me say it, say it for one more time. I think it's really important that people see the film. But more important, it would be great if anybody who sees the film does some of their own homework. There are other documentaries. There, there are other uh, stories that were, that were, are, can be told of this. Read the book. Read The Killers of the Flower Moon. Uh, it, to me, it's almost a shame that the movie bears the same name because it is, in my estimation, a pretty good departure from what David Grant had done. And his research is really extensive. And, and I think that the, I honestly think that the movie does not do the book justice. But I know because of the A-list actors and you know the big names like Scorsese, uh, De Niro and DiCaprio in, in the film, I think it will draw a broader public to um, have some awareness of the story. My concern is that it may, it may bring a bunch of people in to, to learn something about the, uh, the Osage murders, but it's also gonna make people assume um, make assumptions because because it's a, a movie, and they're going to make assumptions that 
Ernest Burkhart only acted out of fear, uh, fear of his uncle. There's no, nothing to suggest that was true. And it, so I think that there's a, a real problem with, with the way they recrafted this, you know, this, this, um, this character of Ernest Burkhart in the film. And I think it really does depart in a big way from, you know, um, from the book. So while I want people to go see this film, I think it's really important that, that people do. I also think that, uh, that if you're interested, you should go further than the film. You should read the book, check out, I think Greg Palace has a, uh, has a piece that he's done on this thing. There's a lot of other, I mean, there's a, there's a bigger story than, than, you know, than an FBI investigation and, and a conviction. I mean, because the murders continued after that. And of course, the oil wealth the, you know, the, would, would go on even as oil companies would go, would go out of business and that kind of stuff. It doesn't mean that oil men didn't use that profit to, to start the, the very oil companies that, are, that exist today. So I think understanding the long-term consequences of this stuff, including, look, when you're talking about many Osage women and, and some Osage men who took on white spouses, I think you have to understand that you actually changed literally the complexion of the Osage. Think about all those children who didn't have a mother because they were killed or marginalized or, or, or you know, stricken with some Ill, you know, mysterious illness. So they didn't get the culture. They didn't get the benefit of, of having the mother teach them the culture. They were raised by white men who were only in this, these fraudulent relationships for the money. The other thing that I, that I have to mention is there's no suggestion that the Osage had been impacted by residential schools, the, the Indian boarding school era. And of course, if you're going to assume that it's the money that made their culture somehow, you know, be erased, you're forgetting that there was already two generations of Osage, as well as people all across the U.S. and Canada, that were being imprisoned, not just people, children, that were being imprisoned in these boarding schools. I mean, you, you watch the film and you assume, oh, they're all Christian. Well, how'd they get there? Oil didn't make them Christians. The residential schools did. So for a film that is three and a half hours long, they sure did dance around issues that, that would have been more significant to the story. What led up to um, the time when oil was, was discovered. I mean, what was the impact of being moved? That's not even made very clear, being moved from, from Missouri. So there, there are things that, that, that don't make a whole lot of sense. Um, and of course, after three hours, you're, you may not be looking for more information. But when you understand how repetitive some of that film was for three, three and a half hours, you realize that they could have done more. They could have talked about the impact of residential schools and, and forced relocation. And you could have talked about how, where the, you know, what happened to the oil wealth. Where do the Osage sit now? And there's almost none of that. And of course, you also learn that there wasn't much in the way of convictions. There wasn't much in the way of, uh, of prosecutions. There were hundreds of murders that took place, at least two or 300, but it may have been more than that. And that's not what the FBI was investigating. Nope, they wanted to look at this as a serial killing being perpetrated by an individual or an individual and his henchmen. And that's the, way they, they, that's the way they investigated the crimes. And frankly, it's the way Scorsese um, cast the film. And to me, that's unfortunate. See the film, but understand 
that much of what you're watching is a fabrication done under this notion of creative license to make a film that is you know, that will be appealing to a broader segment of society, perhaps. But I got to tell you, I think Scorsese, De Niro, and DiCaprio could have done this film better. And going in expecting that I would be troubled by some of what the film would do, I didn't know that I'd go in and be disappointed at what the film does do. I'm John Kane, and this is Let's Talk Native. Yahweh.